0: Uh, These two oppositional forces. Uh, One is what he calls the spirit of self. And what it looks like is this. Standing here, uh, all of the world's culture, everything coming at us and telling us how we should live and what our values should be, um, that is the area of self. And we have a choice to say yes or no to that. Yes or no to, well, this is what I want for my life. I I believe in this value. I believe in this. I want money, and I want status, and I want all of these things. And and so I'm saying yes to self. Now, in opposition to that is life in the Spirit. And life in the Spirit um, is not so much saying no to the life in the flesh or the life of self. It's saying yes to the Spirit. It's saying this is where I want to live. This is where I want to dwell. This is where I want to be in my life. I want to live my life uh, in the Spirit. And, And the natural things that come out of these two lifestyles, what comes out of this naturally, Paul says, is when this happens, when you live with self and you say yes to self, yes to self, no to the Spirit, yes to self, the natural things come out of your life, and he lists them in Galatians 5. And when you live naturally in the life of the Spirit, there's certain things that come out of your life, natural things that come out of your life, We've talked about that, the Spirit of God comes alive in you, born in you, takes root in you, grows in you, bears fruit in you, and the fruit comes out of your life and changes the world around you. So you have this choice of living in the Spirit, saying yes to the Spirit, or living in the flesh, saying yes to self. Now consider that for a moment. What does it look like uh, 20 years from now? Let's say you've made that choice already. or Maybe you're going to make that choice today. I'm going to live in self, say yes to self and no to the Spirit, or I'm going to say yes to the Spirit and no to self. What does that look like, say, 20 years from now? Somebody asks you, well, tell me about your life. You say, well, part of my life is that uh, 20 years ago, uh, I made a decision, and that decision was to live over here, to live uh, this life uh, of, of self and say yes to self. And the world would say, well, that's normal, that's common, that's what you should do, because everyone should say yes to self. That's what the world's value says. So, and, and if you do say yes to this, the trajectory of your life will be a certain way. You may be wealthy or not, you may have a great job or not, but you have chosen to live in this lifestyle, and that trajectory of your life continues for 20 years. Or you might say, well, 20 years ago, I chose to live in the Spirit. And what that meant was I said yes to the Spirit, and these fruit have naturally come out of my life. I said no to self. It was hard. Sometimes I said yes, but mostly I said no to self. And my life is this trajectory. Today, I'm a Christ follower. My kids are Christ followers. My grandkids, perhaps. And so I've lived that kind of life. So you'll have a story to tell. So based on the sermon series, you'll have a story to tell. What did I choose? Did I choose this, yes to self, or yes to the Spirit? Now, project that even further. To the day of your death the day that you're going to uh, take your last breath here on earth. If the Lord tarries, that may be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, depending on how old you are. And it's the day of judgment, and you stand before God, and God will say, okay, which life did you choose? Uh, 20 years ago, did you choose this life, saying yes to self and no to the Spirit? Or did you say yes to the Spirit and no to self? you got to choose god will say and then if you said yes to self then god says okay therefore you're going to be judged according to your life what you did okay it's just that's just what's going to happen you're going to be judged based on that but if you said yes to the spirit god will stand before you and between you and god stands jesus christ your redeemer and god looks at you through jesus and says well done my good and faithful servant come into my peace for all eternity we have a choice. Now, with that backdrop and kind of understanding where we've been, okay, what am I going to say yes to, self or spirit? Um, We read Paul's letter to Galatians 5. And you know this passage by now very well, but I hope that you've been not only hearing it on Sunday, but I hope you've been uh, reading it throughout the week because it is an amazing passage. One thing that's unique about the Bible is you can't get enough of it, right? And so what I'm going to tell you, what am I going to say right now? Read your Bibles, right? <laughs> so if you have the leather-bound India ink Bible, that's the way God made it, right? He intended it that way. That's the way I like. You've got, or you've got your iPhone, you've got your iPad. It's in your sermon notes on the screen. We want, we want to give you every opportunity to have the Word around you and in you. So read your Bibles. Here is the text, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Paul writes, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay, there's this saying yes to self over here. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Can I get an amen? That's right, and so you are not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you say yes to the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Okay, when you say yes to self and no to the Spirit, these are the things that will naturally come out of your life. It's not like you're bad or you're doing, you know, you're, you're just kind of this evil person. When you say yes to self, and that's kind of your constant default position, when you do that, these are the things that will naturally come out of your life. And then he gives the list. And if your sin is not in here, you can add it to the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That phrase, other sins like these, that, those are your sins, okay? If you don't have all of these, you've got some of them, not some of them, add your sins to that. Let me tell you again, as I have before, Paul writes, that anyone living that sort of life said yes to self constantly. Over time and time again, yes self, yes self, no spirit, no spirit, yes to self, those who are living that kind of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Harsh words. Last paragraph. But the Holy Spirit, you live in the spirit, oppositionally from the self, you live in the spirit, then there's naturally things that will come out of your life. You don't have to try, you just have to grow, and you just have to be in Christ. And these things will happen as you become a disciple, as you go deeper in Jesus. All of these things will naturally come out of your life, and then he gives the list. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross, and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so, the choice is ours. Which world, realm, are we going to live in? Which kingdom are we going to live in? If we live in the Spirit, these are the things that naturally flow from our lives. And we've looked at them all, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We haven't looked at goodness. We skipped that one. We had seven weeks to do the Spirit, the the, uh, Fruit of the Spirit. There's nine Fruit of the Spirit. So because of that little thing we call Easter and Good Friday, or Easter and uh, Palm Sunday, we're going to cut two of them. Uh, One of them that we're cutting is goodness, not that we like to cut goodness. We like to have goodness, right? But goodness is very similar to kindness, okay? Um, The word that we looked at last week, the word for Christ, which is the anointed one, the Messiah, um, Christ is Christos, and the word for kindness is, anybody remember? Christos, Christos, very good. Christos, Christos. And so what we invited you to do last week, your assignment was to go out and confuse the world. Be so much like Jesus, be so kind that they can't figure out if it's kindness or Jesus, it's both, it's both, right? So confuse the world. And so, and the word goodness is very similar to the word kindness. So we'll skip over that one and come to this one, which is a very critical fruit of the Spirit, and it's called faithfulness, faithfulness. Now, faithfulness is that attribute or quality in Scripture that is applied to both God and man. Okay, It talks about God's faithfulness. The songs that we sang this morning, every one of them were about God's faithfulness. The songs that we close sing at the end of the service that uh, Lisa and Kelly will lead us, songs about God's faithfulness. So we know that God's faithfulness is real. And uh, we also need to walk in faithfulness when we're living in the Spirit. We also walk in faithfulness. So what is faithfulness? Well, There's two kind of facets to faithfulness when it's talking about God. Okay, The first is this. Absolute reliability. When, God, when it says God is faithful, it means he is absolutely reliable. Uh, complete freedom from ambiguity or fickleness. Okay? So that's God's faithfulness. Absolute reliability. The second facet of faithfulness when it talks about it in God's, uh, about God, is his steadfast loyalty. His steadfast loyalty. Absolute reliability and steadfast loyalty. Well, what's he loyal to? He's loyal to himself. Okay, God is love. We know that from Genesis to Revelation. Emphasized in John 1, all through the Gospel of John. We know that God is love. There's, there's, the Bible says there's two things, only two things that God can't do. You think God can do everything. There's two things he can't do. The Bible says God cannot lie and God cannot deny himself. And because he is completely love, And that's always his default position. His default position is not about uh, how much do you know. His default position is love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All other commandments are subservient to that. Everything else comes under that. All doctrine and theology comes under that. So God says, I'm about love, and you need to be all about love. And so I want you to understand that when I am loyal to you, I am loyal to you because you are the object of my adoration. You're the object of my affection. I love you. I've got your picture on my refrigerator. God says, I love you, and I will constantly be loyal to you. Now, sometimes that means disciplining us, right? When you love somebody, you discipline them, right? We do that with our kids. Sometimes God does that with us, but God says, listen, I love you so much. I will pursue you. I am the hound of every man. I will dog you until the day you die because I want you to be in my life and in my world and in my kingdom. God says, I love you. So he's completely loyal to his creation. So now we, that's God, absolute absolute reliability and steadfast loyalty, we are called to the same thing. Now for us, it's a little bit different nuance, but the same word is used. But for us, it is the matter, qualities of being constant, loyal, and reliable. Constant, loyal, and reliable. That's what faithfulness means. In other words, faithfulness, best definition, is live what you believe. Let what you feel and believe in here and what you say be completely consistent, integrated with your life, with your actions. That's faithfulness. So let me give you a definition of faithfulness. Faithfulness is this. Seeing with the eyes of faith, so you're seeing people in the world with the eyes of faith, which leads to obedient living. When you see people and circumstances and life and culture and everything with the eyes of faith, it leads you to obedient living. Okay, you don't do obedient living and then somehow you're going to have faith because you can't live obediently on your own strength. It's impossible. Everybody's tried it. Nobody's done it. So faithfulness is seeing with the eyes of faith, the eyes of Jesus, which leads to obedient living. See, how we see people, ourselves, others, and especially our enemies, how we see people, when we see them with the eyes of Jesus, then what we believe and what we say are constant, consistent with our lifestyle. We need to start seeing the world, seeing each other, and seeing ourselves, some of you that's difficult, seeing ourselves through the eyes of Jesus. And when you do that, your life has this obedient lifestyle to it based on how you see others and see yourselves. That's what faithfulness is. We need a new set of eyes. Several years ago, a woman in Bogota, Colombia, uh, her name was Maria Camargo, rushed to a hospital in Bogota with her 18-month-old baby. And uh, he he was dehydrated and he'd had diarrhea for several days, very sick. She took him to the hospital, to the national hospital in Bogota, And they said, leave your baby with us overnight. Uh, We'll take care of him. She comes back the next day, and her baby's head is wrapped in cloth. And just so that he can breathe, but you can't see his eyes or his head or anything else, his complete head is wrapped. And they said, take your son home. He's dying. And there's no hope for him. And so she didn't take her son home. She went across town to another hospital in Bogota and took her son to them and said, they said that my son's dying, but I don't believe it. What's wrong with my son? They unwrapped uh, the wrapping from his head and um, they had stolen his eyes. This little 18-month-old... Now, the hospital said, you know, this happens commonly to uh, street orphans and kids that are just out on the street of Bogota. We, they, they, they collect them and at that hospital. They take them. and They steal their eyes. But usually the kids are discarded. They're killed. But in your case, your son is blind, but at least he's still alive. Now... As awful as that story is, this has happened in our society in an even worse way. We literally, as Christ followers, are constantly, the world is trying to steal our eyes. Constantly the world's trying to say, you know what really matters in life is success and recognition and money and these kind of relationships that work and these sexual exploits and these, all these things. These are, this is the thing. That, these are the eyes that you need to see the world through. But that's saying yes to the self. But the Spirit says no. When you look at the world, you don't see those things. You see people that are broken and hurting and lonely and sinful and you bring to them the grace and the good news of Jesus. You need to start seeing people with the eyes of Jesus. We need new eyes. We need to have our eyes replaced with not society, but the Spirit of God. We need brand new eyes. How do we see people? That's what faithfulness is. What we believe and what we say is consistent with what we live. That's integrity. That's faithfulness. This morning, I would like to encourage you to take a faithfulness challenge. And as I, as I kind of looked through Scripture, there were dozens and dozens of passages on faithfulness. God's faithfulness, but how we're supposed to be faithful as well. And so I've selected seven, uh, just because of time. We could, there, there's many, many more. But I've selected seven areas of faithfulness that we've got to get right. We, we, we have to get these right. I mean, if we're going to live a life in the Spirit, and we want this fruit of the Spirit to come out of us, faithfulness, These are some things that we need to get right. These can't be over in this realm of selfishness. They have to be in the area of faithfulness. So you can write these down as we go. We'll we'll move through them rather quickly. Each one of these, I told somebody, uh, somebody asked me after uh, first service, they said, man, I'd like to hear a whole series on every one of these things. Well, maybe we'll do that sometime. But right now, seven faithfulness challenges. And the first one is this. We are called to be faithful in our walk with God. Remember, the word faithful means reliable, Constant, loyal. We are called to be faithful in our walk with God. We've got to get this one right. If we don't get this one right, then we're not getting the eyes to see the world and to see ourselves and to see others with the eyes of Jesus. We're using the eyes of the world. It's a completely different way of looking at everything, different outlook of life. We've got to get this one right. So there's a wonderful little passage in there's an epistle, there's First John, you all know that well, five powerful. Of chapters, but then there's 2nd John and 3rd John, both of those have one chapter, and both of them give the same message in general, and 3rd John, there's two verses that we read just like this, John chapter, uh, only chapter, one chapter, John verses 2 and 3. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. It's a great prayer, isn't it? Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Now, I love this passage. Part of it is because I, I memorized this in uh, the NIV, but I've always, this is kind of my life ministry verse. No greater joy can a man have than this, than to hear that his children, spiritual children, as well as my physical children no greater joy can a man have than this than here that his children are following the truth. Every time I hear one of you tell me your faith story, your faith journey, how you're growing in your faith, how you're going deeper in Christ, how the Word of God is becoming more precious to you, what I'm hearing is this I'm saying, Yes to the Spirit, yes to the Spirit, yes to the Spirit. We've got to get this one right. We have to be faithful in our walk with God, allowing the Word of God to become part of us, to read it, to love it, to memorize it, to teach it, to experience it, to live it out in our world. We've got to let this growing thing in us, the Spirit of God, grow until it fully blooms. The Spirit of God within us. We need to grow in our faith. We have to be faithful in the way we approach our faith. It's not enough to come once a week to church and and get a a 35-minute sermon. It's not enough. You can't get, you need God's Word in you. That's why we talk about read your Bible. We want it all around you. We want it in you. We want you to know God's Word and to know Him. That's how you get new eyes. If you want new eyes, read your Bibles. Study your Bibles. Understand your Bibles. Read, see, and see what God sees in the world and see how you see that you read your Bibles and let God's light shine in you. We need to grow in our faith we got to get this one right. So uh, a couple of years ago, actually a year and a half ago, my, uh, two of my grandkids from Georgia, by the way, Sherry uh, for 10 days is in Georgia. And you say, why would she go to Georgia? Two reasons, Peaches and my grandkids. Okay, those are two reasons good enough. And she's there for 10 days. But um, uh, my two grandkids were out for several weeks. They stayed with us uh, two summers ago. And during that summer, we had a baptism out front. By the way, we're having a baptism on Mother's Day uh, right out front, and if you uh, want to follow the Lord in baptism, we would love to talk to you about that. Just email me during the week. So we had a baptism, and there was quite a few people that were being baptized, and including in that number, were my two grandchildren, uh, Jaden and McKenna. They had called their parents and said, "Hey, uh, we want to be baptized." Both of them were Christ followers. And uh, Mom and Dad said, "Of course." you can be baptized in grandpa's church. And it was really cool. And so as I baptized these children, what a joy that was for me. No greater joy (laughs) could a man have than this than to hear that his children follow the truth. So we baptized them. And I remember Jaden, when they gave their testimonies, Jaden, at the time he was 14, now he's 16. um, He said, I want want my faith to go deep. That's that's from a 14-year-old boy. I want my faith to go deep. Jaden understood what it meant, because he hears all the time at school what it means to say yes to self. Constantly he hears that at school. Just like in, in Chandler, Arizona, there's drugs and alcohol and sexual exploits and all these things going on in the high school campuses in Georgia, just like here. But he constantly wants to say yes to the Spirit. I need new eyes to see. I need eyes. I need to go deep, Grandpa. I need to have my faith strengthened. I need Jesus in my life. You know, there's a uh, another story about baptism, there was a little boy that wanted to get baptized, his parents signed off on it, he was old enough, he kind of understood what was going on, but he didn't really kind of get the, the word baptism, right? So when it came time for his uh, little testimony, uh, the pastor asked him, now, now, what's going to happen to you? Uh, and he said to the boy, and the boy said, I'm going to get advertised. Okay, that's what he said. I think he had it right. I think he had it Right? <laughs> I'm going to get advertised. You see, because what I want, my, 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 what I believe and what I say, I want to be consistent with the way I live my life. I want to be advertised. I want to be an advertisement for Jesus. You know, I want them to confuse kindness and Jesus. I want them to understand that if they don't know why I'm treating them with love and respect, even though they're different from me and they're far from God, even though they don't know, that someday they will ask why. I want to be advertised. We all need to be advertised. We need to get this one right. We're called to be faithful in our walk with God. Is number two, we're called to be faithful in prayer. Paul writes, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Romans 12, 12. Isn't that great? Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Nothing connects you to the Father Nothing connects you to the Spirit. Nothing says yes to the Spirit like times of quiet and prayer and meditation. And you know what? Don't forget this. Don't spend so much time talking to God that you forget to listen to Him. (laughs) We had an experience early in the week. um, Pastor Brandon and Kelly, Sherry and I, and Pastor Corey all went on the Pacific Southwest Conference prayer retreat for pastors, Now, I don't know what it means that uh, five of the seven that were there were from our church. Maybe we realize we need prayer more than other pastors, but we were there. And uh, we spent 24 hours. We had some spiritual direction, but we basically spent 24 hours alone with God. You know what happens when you spend time alone with you? You know what happens when you listen instead of talking to God all the time? You just listen and let the Spirit kind of come over you. When you invite the Spirit, not only come into your life, say yes, 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 but you're also saying, the more the Spirit is in me, guess what? The more I see clearly. <laughs> the more I, my, those stolen eyes are no longer stolen. I have the eyes of God. I'm seeing people in situations with the eyes of the Spirit. We've got to get this one right. We're called to be faithful in prayer. The next one is this, and for those of you that are not married Hang on, maybe someday you will be, but we are called to be faithful in our marriages. Now, God uses this incredible metaphor for marriage uh, in the Bible. It's uh, two different metaphors, but it's really the same one. In the Old Testament, it's uh, God is this uh, loving, you know, bridegroom, and Israel is the bride. In the New Testament, is God is this amazing loving bridegroom, and the Church of Jesus Christ. Is the bride. So there's this amazing metaphor. That's why marriage matters so much. We're, there's a lot of talk out there these days about marriage and whether we're going to devalue marriage and all of those kinds of things. Uh, we're going to have to do a, a series on this or have a town meeting or something because there's a lot of talk that needs to go on around this. But, but hear this this is God's plan for humanity. For a good number of us, not everyone, but a good number of us. I mean, Paul was single, so we know it's not for everyone. But marriage is this metaphor of God's love for his church. And so there's this wonderful little book in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets, and it's Hosea. Hosea was a man of God, and he fell in love with a prostitute. And now, when you fall in love with a prostitute, you're kind of bringing some baggage into your marriage, right? And so he did, but constantly... Hosea uh, was saying the same thing, I'll always love you, I'll always love you no matter how you treat me, no matter how you go off with other men, uh, 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 no matter what you do, I will always love you. Now that, that is a metaphor, it actually happened, but it's a metaphor for God and you. Well, but, but I'm, uh, you, know, you know, I, I kind of like this self thing over here. You know, I've got some gods over here that really work for me—the God of, of desire and the God of this—and you know, I kind of like these gods over. Here. And, and 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 the spirits. Listen, listen. That's a, that's a dead end. That's a dead end. I've got something better for you. He's calling you, and he says, "I will always call you, and I will always try to draw you, and because I, I love you that much, no matter how many other gods you follow, I will always love you." Hosea chapter two. Listen to these words: "I will make you my wife forever." And when you say yes to Jesus, even though you get goofed up in your life and you do weird things, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will be fine, finally know me as the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Your faithfulness in marriage reveals your faithfulness to God So we talk about, you read Ephesians, the end of four all the way through chapter five, and this whole symmetry and synergy of love and respect, of mutual submission, of this you submit yourself to God and then you submit yourself to each other in your marriage and it's this beautiful, beautiful picture of God's love for the church, of God's love for you. I know marriage is hard. I know it is. You know, people say marriage is made in heaven, but so again are thunder and lightning. So I know it's hard, you know. Believe me, I've been married 43 years. I know it's hard. We're teaching a marriage class on Thursday night, Brandon and I and Brad and Pam Carlberg. And we have 12 amazing couples in there. And they're all saying, we want to get better. Uh, Some of them are struggling right now. Many of them are not, but they say we want to get better. We know that this is the most important relationship on this earth. It's not higher than my relationship with God, but it's the next thing under that. The highest relationship, and I I want to get this right. This is one area we have to get right, folks. We are called to be faithful in our marriages. Commit to doing it God's way. Commit to doing it the the way the Lord has shown us with this beautiful metaphor of his love for the church. Commit to doing it his way. Now, I know there's a, we have a lot of people in our church who have experienced the pain of divorce. I know how painful that can be. But there's also many people who, through difficult times and hard times, have stayed together. So I'm wondering, if you have been married for 25 years or more, would you please just stand where you are? Okay? 25 years or more. Okay, now stay standing for a moment. For those of you sitting around here, take a look at these, these couples, these families, Okay? First of all, let me tell you this, and you already know this, they're not perfect. Amen. <laughs> yeah. In fact, some of them aren't even close, but, no. some, but here, here's the deal. They've stayed with it. You know, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it okay? They've stayed in their marriages. If you have questions or you want somebody to help you or mentor you, my guess is almost every one of these people would say to you, yes, we'll sit down with you and talk to you about the challenges and the joys of marriage, okay? Thank you. You guys can sit up. Let's give them a hand, okay? That's amazing. I was, I was blown away. In first service, there had to be 30 couples that stood up. I was blown away. It was just amazing. But this is, the, this is God, what God wants us to know about this. This marriage thing is not just something that until until we don't like each other anymore. This is a death do us part. till we part. This is a commitment. This is a picture of Christ in the church. This is a picture of God in Israel. This matters. We've got to get this right. We've got to stay faithful in our marriages. The next thing is this. We are called to be faithful in raising our children. We've got to get this one right. In the first service, um, we dedicated um, Janae Marie... Cifuentes. And it was beautiful. Here's this beautiful little girl. I think she's, what, maybe a year old, something like that. But she's just a little, beautiful, tiny little thing. But here's the, here's the neat part. Um, some of Jessica's family came out from back in Illinois. They were here. Omar's mom and dad, his brother, they were all here. They stood up with them, And I read to them from Exodus 20 where it says, to the second and third generations, the sins of the father are visited upon their children, and that is a warning, and it happens. And how many of you know that? Because you had parents and grandparents that said no to God. They said yes to self and no to God, and it affects the kids, and it affects the grandkids. God can redeem that, but it's tough. But, my favorite word in the Bible, but for those who love and serve the Lord for a thousand generations... They will be blessed. And I was just talking about uh, Omar and Jessica and their families. They have several generations of Christ followers in their families and they are one of those thousand generations and we need to hold on to that. And the only way we can do that is to raise our kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. There's nothing you will hear today that's more important than this. Teach your kids about Jesus. Yep, teach them soccer. Teach them math. Teach them a proper way to eat food. Teach them how to be respectful. Say yes ma'am and yes sir. But for The love of God for everything we know and believe, you have to teach them about Jesus because the next generation and the next generation for a thousand generations are depending on how we do that. If you're feeling uncomfortable about this word, if you don't like this, I'm sorry for that. I don't mean to make you uncomfortable. But for those of you who have small children, we have to get this right. Raise your kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We've got to do this right. Raise them in church. I talked to a couple, um, a man this last week. Uh, he and his family used to attend our church years ago. And um, they got involved in some things in their lives that uh, kind of pulled them away from church, which is very sad. I remember when I talked to them about that. But So they've kind of been away from church for about, oh, six, seven years. And I got a call from him this week. And um, he said, um, my family's fallen apart. And my daughter, um, I don't know what's going to happen to her. She's making all these really bad decisions. And my son, and there was tears in it. It was very me- meaningful, very moving, because he was so, wanted his family to work. Now, it wasn't the time to say this to him, because we were trying to work on some other things with him. But there's going to be a time when I'm going to sit down with him and I'm going to say this. You know what? You made a choice. Seven years ago, this is where you wanted to be. You made a choice. Self, that's where I'm going to be. This, it costs too much. I don't want to give 10% of my money away. Lo- sir, loving the Spirit, I don't want to have to give up my sexual exploits. Living over here, I don't want to have to give up all this stuff. But you made a choice seven years ago that this is where you... Now, it's not too late. It's not too late, but you've got to figure out, you've got to surrender yourself to the Spirit and your family as well. We've got to get this one right. We've got to be faithful in raising our kids. Number five, we are called to be faithful in serving. (laughs) Last week, um, we talked about you, those of you who went to the mission trip. Uh, We talked about you, and we showed a picture of you. We didn't really know what you were doing. Uh, You could have been down there just surfing, but no, we found out now, because we've seen pictures, you actually built a house. It's Pretty cool. So, what does it take for a man or a woman to say, you know what, I think I'm going to, I've got $300 laying around that I don't want to do anything with, and I'm going to, pay, I'll get, figure this out, I'm going to pay $300 so I can go and work my tail off. Usually you get paid for working your tail off. No, they paid for the privilege of doing that. And so they did that, and the mom and the kids were grateful. And we don't know long-term what's going to come out of this, but we do know this, that we served that family. Not just the ones that went, but all of us, as we've prayed for them, we'll continue to pray for them, We served that family. You know what 3 John 5 says? It says this, Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for others. Cup of cold water. You're being faithful to God when you care for others. By the way, next Sunday, we'll hear from that team. A couple people will share at each service. Number six, we are called to be faithful in giving. Some of you are going, yeah, I knew we'd get to that one. Okay, well, yes, yes, I did. We are called to be faithful in giving. There are more uh, verses in the Bible about giving Than any other subject except for love. Okay? So, why giving? 2 Corinthians 8 7. Paul's writing, same guy that wrote our our, our text. Paul's writing, but just as you excel in everything, and he's talking about these wonderful Christ followers, how they're doing so good in everything, you're doing great in your faith, you're gifted speakers, you've got great knowledge and you've got enthusiasm for the gospel and your love from us. He said, all that stuff's great, but there's something you're kind of missing on, and I want to encourage you to do this one other thing. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. He doesn't call it tithes and offerings. He calls it a gracious act of giving. Here's the problem. The problem with giving is that um, believers, many of them, maybe even some of us in here, Even though you've heard me preach on this many times, believers somehow believe that they're the givers. Somehow, over the years, you've come to believe that you're the one who's giving to God. And the Bible is very clear that it is God that gives to you. Read Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 8. It's very clear that God has given you the breath to breathe, He has given you the hands that work to swing a hammer. He has given you legs, a mind. He's given you the grace of being raised in the United States of America where you can get a good education. Most people, if they want to, can get a really good education. Not all, but most. All of these things are gracious gifts. They're not because you're good. Now, you're not, I mean, you you weren't born in the United States because you're good. You know, we're all born in sin, so that's not going to happen. But all of these gracious things that God has given you, He has given you everything. And He says, All I want you to do is show my kind of love back to me because I have this little thing that I call the church, and the church is the hope of the world. And so we need some money, 10%. Average Christian in the United States gives 1.2% of their income. Average, 1.2. Tithe is 10%. In the Old Testament, they gave 10 plus another 10 plus every three year, a third 10, okay? So we get off pretty easy. So we need to take this one seriously because the kingdom needs money in order to prepare us to go into the world to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. We need the church to be healthy. And for that, we need to have resources. Excel in the gift of giving, the gracious gift of giving. God says, I'm gonna judge your faithfulness on the way that you spend the money in your checkbook. I'm gonna judge your faithfulness on how you spend your money. And then he says, as you know, test me, says the Lord. You cannot contain God's blessing when you put his giving. forth. the greatest thing I do every other week and I love this. And the reason I don't do Vanco or do, do online giving, and Sherry and I agree on this, is we love to, the opportunity to write out that check. Again, just like I like a leather Bible, I like a checkbook, you know. I don't want my money going out in cyberspace. I don't know where it's going to go. But I'm old school. I want to write that check This is the most important, the most fun check that Sherry and I write every other week. We love that. We are called to be faithful in giving. The last thing is this. We are called to be faithful in witness. There's an amazing psalm. If you haven't read Psalm 40, read it. But listen to this verse, Psalm 40, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. I have not kept the good news of your justice. Actually, uh, the psalmist was writing this. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. How many times do we do that, right? The good news of God's grace and mercy and justice, we kind of keep hidden in our heart. He said, I've not done that, the psalmist said. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Faithful in telling about God's faithfulness. That's what he's talking about. Being faithful in telling about God's faithfulness. So many people I've heard say, well, yeah, but I, I'm, not a, I'm, not a really, I'm not an evangelist. Well, not everybody's called to be an evangelist. Everyone's called to be a witness. Everyone's called to be a witness, to be able to speak the words. I know of God's faithfulness. Can I tell you about God's faithfulness in my life? What a glorious thing. We've got to get this one right. We are called to be faithful in, in witness. Unfailing love and faithfulness. See, We need new eyes. We've got to get rid of these eyes of self. We've got to get rid of these eyes of our society and our culture that says, here's the values that you live by. We need a brand new set of eyes, like that little boy that had his eyes stolen. We need to have our eyes returned to us. And the only way we can do that is by allowing the Spirit of God and say yes to Him. Yes to Him every day. Yes Lord Jesus, yes, Spirit of the living God, I desire to be faithful in everything I do. Faithful in our walk with God. Faithful in our prayer. Faithful in our marriages. Faithful in raising our children. Faithful in serving and giving and bearing witness to the one who is faithful to us. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we are so grateful for this series. I I personally am for the way that you have Just beat me up over this and showed me and revealed to me and called me to change and be transformed. And and Lord, I pray the same thing for, for your people here at Hope Covenant Church. I pray that they would be encouraged and blessed and convicted and anointed and that they would thoroughly embrace Jesus and the life that he wants to give us, Jesus, and the eyes that he desires to help us to see the world and people and ourselves through his eyes. Lord, please help us to stop saying yes to self and say yes to the Spirit. That's my prayer. That's my desire for myself and for every one of these Christ followers who are in this room this morning. Thank you, Father, for your word. I pray that it would go directly to our hearts and that we would be called upon to live a life of transformation, that we would see the world, see ourselves, and see others through the eyes of Jesus. And I pray this in the precious name of His Son, of your Son. Amen.